We're in a prayer series. We've been there for several weeks. We're staying there till who knows when. I keep talking to our teaching team. We keep making the timeline and we keep adding teachings to it. So um, we feel like God's just been really in on this, man. Like it's been simple, it's been sweet. As we've just every week talked about a different version of really just praying like with open hearts, open hands. And a few weeks ago, um, we, we introduced this word that I was like, hey, I want this word to be sort of an umbrella term the rest of the series. And that word was transformation. Were you guys here when I introduced that word and was like, hey, just like so we're all clear, we desperately need transformation. Uh, maybe another fancy word would be like sanctification, to be made more like Christ. And with that word in mind, I'm going to give you another word. Today, I want to talk about this word perspective. All right, so if you're taking notes, um, or if you're not, pretend to, uh, write down the word perspective. And uh, my premise today is that perspective changes absolutely everything about your life. Like, we can't always control what happens, but we do have a lot of say in how we respond to what happens, and how we see it, and how we choose to look at it. Here's the definition of perspective, a particular attitude toward or a way of regarding something, a point of view, right? A vantage point. Now, this word is very complex. It can be used in a lot of ways, but I'm not that smart. So hopefully I'll be easy to follow today. I got a few simple ways. Um, But I'm going to start with a story because stories are fun. Uh, Not a fun story, a really annoying story. I want to tell you about my spring and summer, okay? Because it got real inconvenient real fast all the time, all right? Um, You guys here? Come on, lock in. It's cloudy, come on. Sunshine through the clouds. Lord, right now. All right, uh, anyway, what if, what if? Y'all would freak out, I'd freak out. All right, so around May or June, um, inconvenience really started meeting my life consistently. Uh, I have a list of things that I had to do. Had to call someone to repair a dryer, had to call someone to replace a dryer, had to call someone about a broken AC unit, had to call someone about a broken dishwasher to get it replaced, had three separate occasions of four flat tires total. At one point, had to get a car towed. Had five failed deliveries of a kitchen table I had waited six months for. And let me tell you something. I got through that in 10 seconds. It was miserable, all right? Um, I was emotionally volatile. Because I don't know if you know about repairs or replacements, but every time the company calls you and says, yep, we'll be, in there, bet- we'll be there between 9 a.m. and 1 p.m. And I'm like, hey, what do you think I do? All day. I have a job, you know? And when it happens once, it's fine. Hey, you know, Brandon, what's up? My, my boss and brother, Brandon Steele. What's up, baby? Uh, what's up, baby? <laughs> to Brandon. Hey, hey, baby, what's up, man? Uh, no, Leah, it's Brandon. Uh, like, uh, I want to keep going. I'm so excited to see y'all. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm going to be in late. I got this. But when you have like seven or eight of these, no kidding, like seven or eight of these in the span of like 10 weeks, dude, it's so frustrating. It's so annoying, like your lack of control in this situation. What I noticed about myself was when these minor inconveniences stacked on each other, man, I was a bit frazzled, all right? That's a cute way of saying I was stressed, all right? Like, I was emotionally volatile. I started wondering to myself, man, what's gonna happen when life actually gets serious? Because this is throwing me for a loop. Does anyone else get thrown off? Like when your cute little schedule gets thrown off for 10 minutes, you're like, what the heck? How's this light still red, you know? Like, it's just so easy. And I I realized like, man, I don't wanna be who I am right now. I kind of had these instincts, like I'm pretty sure life gets harder. 
<laughs> you know, like this has got to be the patty cake version of problems. Oh, the stupid dishwasher. Lord, will you help me? Like, man, you know, and I started thinking about my friend Luke Lowe's, who I just bragged on a, a few minutes ago, shared his testimony last week. This dude's so annoying, because every time you ask him how he's doing, you know what he says? I'm good, man. I'm doing good. I got shoes on my feet, roof over my head, AC in my car. Man, I'm good. He's one of those Christians. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and the more I started thinking about this man and his circumstances in life and how hard he works, and I won't get into it. I don't want to embarrass him, but man, this dude, I mean, I could cry thinking about his story and how much work he puts in and how much he loves people, and how much he lives for the gospel. If I keep going, I really will start crying, so I'll stop. And I realized, you know, I'm passing him off as giving me a trivial, trite Christian response, but the truth is, that response is fought for. You gotta earn that response. You gotta try really hard to go, of course, I've got a list of things that are stressing me out. Obviously, I'm a human, alive, on earth. Of course, I got problems, like, but what I'm choosing to look at them from, the vantage point that I'm choosing to see my life from is look what I have. Man, from that perspective, I'm blessed. And so I told myself, I'm gonna be like Luke Lowe's. I kid you not, I'm telling you a true sequence of events right now. Within a week or two of that moment happening, I'm getting breakfast with Leah at my house like we do most mornings. Baby, love you. Oh my goodness. My favorite things about you, favorite things about me. We love you, Lord. Okay, uh huh. I gotta go upstairs. I'm just kidding. We didn't do any of that. But just talked in the morning. All right, I'm going upstairs to get ready, whatever. And my dog had been on antibiotics for a UTI. And I say that because the vet told us the antibiotics might give her some version of IBS. That's what we'll keep it. And I'm walking upstairs barefoot. And I, just to keep it simple, I got myself a pedicure. Um, and it was like, it wasn't chilly. There was like California redwoods. It was like, it was a thick something I stepped in, okay? And I, I look up in my house. My dog has never gone number two indoors. And I'm looking at Leah like, what's happening? Why am I standing in dog manure? And she's laughing so hard. I am not laughing. It's 8 a.m. on a Monday. My sense of humor has not awakened, all right? I'm like, stop. <laughs> This is a true story, no hyperbolic stuff here. Within 60 seconds of that poop in my toes, the lights go out. The electricity cuts off. And I'm like, am I in a sitcom right now? What is going on? You ever heard that phrase? Don't pray for patience, because God's gonna give you a, he's not gonna give you patience, he's gonna put you in a situation, and you're like, dude, shut up, you know? That's what happened. I was like, God, I want to get better at perspective. And it's just like, dog poop powers out, you know? And I'm like, ah! and I immediately, I remember. And I literally, I wash off my foot first. And then I go to my little prayer closet and I go, <laughs> here I am, Lord, <laughs> you know? And I'm serious. I go, okay, Luke loves. Lord, thank you for this house. Thank you for my dog. Thank you for medicine. That's helping one thing and causing a different problem. <laughs> and I literally fight for perspective. You know what else I got? I go, whatever's going on with NES right now, it's probably my fault. We're probably gonna have a late fee. Thank you that we have the means. And if we don't, thank you that I have friends that will probably help me, right? And so then I leave my prayer closet, get on the phone. It takes like an hour and a half, blah, 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 blah. The power comes back on. I go to work at like 12. And in that moment... 
I did not change my situation. Like, I had actually still just stepped in dog poop. The power was still out. The only thing that shifted was what? Was my perspective on the moment. And you know what happened? This is real. I was no longer emotionally volatile. I actually was at least 70% more stable and more at peace. And I wasn't believing some fake thing about life. Like I wasn't speaking false truths. I was speaking genuine truths that were giving me perspective. That's the power of perspective. And so today, I wanna talk with you about perspective in four areas. And I really want you to think, as I'm talking, this will get far more potent if you will consider your context. For each thing that I talk through, picture your life. I'm gonna talk about your pursuits, your problems, your pains, and the people around you. And as I do that, I want you to think about what am I pursuing in my life right now? What are some problems I've had recently? What are some pains I've experienced? Who are the people around? And really think about your own life. And if in the first point, when we're talking about pursuits, if you get lost on a tangent, if you realize, oh, wow, this is for me, dude, ignore me and just start taking notes. Dialogue with God, like chase it down, apply this to your life. But before you write any of that stuff down, a key question that I want everyone to write down, this is the one, tattoo it on your arm this week. God, what is a better perspective? That question is a life hack. Life is coming at you. You cannot do a thing about it. It is unpredictable. You cannot control it. But this question, God, what is a better perspective will save you headache and heartache? I'm telling you, it will. So before we get into those four Ps, how many Ps are we dealing with today, by the way? Prayer, perspective, pursuit, problem, pain, people, pushing, um, anybody? All right, all right. So before we get into these, I wanna talk about the vantage point that I wanna look at these things, the lens I kinda wanna look through, all right? Very simple here. The vantage point we're gonna talk about each of these things from Christ died, resurrected, offered the Holy Spirit in salvation, and for those that follow Christ, we will spend eternity with him. That is the perspective that the scriptures give us and that as Christians, we are all currently in training. God, help us to see from this perspective more and more and more. This life, but a breath, but a blink of an eye, but a breeze of the wind, but life with you is forever. From that perspective, we have these conversations. So let's start. Pursuits. I'm going to watch time. We'll see if we get to people. I'm not sure. All right. Pursuits. What is worth pursuing? If Christ died, resurrected, offered salvation, and eternal life, if that's true, how does it impact what you pursue in your life? So we live in a world that says pursue rewards, right? Pursue them the reward of money, the reward of status, the reward of power, the reward of relationships. Jesus, believe it or not, also low-key incentivizes us with rewards. I didn't think of him like that. He's sneaky. He says in Matthew 6, I'm serious. Listen to what he does here. 
when you pray, don't be like the Pharisees, okay? Don't pray out loud, all eloquent. You've been around those prayers, like, all right, chill out. Like, calm down. You know what I mean? Like, who are you talking to? Don't be like that, all eloquent, just a master with your words for the crowd to see, for they've gotten their reward. When you pray, go to your house, shut the door, pray in secret. Your father who sees you will what? Reward you. Jesus, that's dope. He's like, I'm t- hey, I'm not scared of giving you prizes. Be greedy. Come pray in secret. Bring your heart before God, and I will reward you. Now, then he goes on, and he kind of bums us out, because in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, he says, but don't store up treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and thieves steal, but in heaven where moths and rust don't destroy and thieves don't break in and steal. Then he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then a few verses after that, he says, and don't be anxious about tomorrow. See, there's something that happens when you're not pursuing earthly rewards, things that fade. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you'll wear, but seek first. Pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Jesus is not anti you pursuing treasures and rewards. He's in on that. We have to ask ourselves, what is our capital P pursuit in life? I want you to reflect right now, thinking about your context. What are you pursuing the very most? Of course, we have several pursuits, but what are you pursuing the very most? Why is that? And I want you to break it down logically, because we're in church, so you're like, well, God, obviously. (laughs) Like, the will of the Lord (laughs) is what I'm pursuing. (laughs) But ask yourself for real, with your time, with your thoughts, with your energy, what do you pursue the most? To what end? What's the hope? Have you offered that to the Lord? God, what is your perspective on what is getting the most of my energy and my focus? I once heard a friend say, so many people spend their entire lives climbing a ladder and at the very end they realize it was leaned against the wrong wall. That can so, we cannot be prideful. That can so easily be us. Like, oh, I spent all this time wanting this thing and I got the thing and oh my goodness. Jim Carrey once said, I wish everyone could, you guys know this. Jim Carrey once said, I wish everyone could be rich so they could see it's not what makes you happy. Have you heard that? At least they're rich being able to say that, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm just just kidding. Well, kind of, I'm torn. Uh, In a world world that gives you a thousand things to pursue, I think it's so easy to accidentally, we don't mean to, but we end up on this little treadmill and the thing we want's right there. Like if I just run harder, just a little bit longer, I'm finally going to get this thing. I'm convinced that so often we're a desert people surrounded by salesmen offering salt water, taking advantage of our thirst. The illusion that it'll be quenched if we finally get this thing. But if it's not the right pursuit, you will not get the thing that you were made to get. Your soul will not be satisfied. This is why Jesus tells the woman at the well that the water he offers will quench her thirst forever. Drink what I have to offer and you will never thirst again. Jesus offers the thing worth pursuing and it is himself. And when you understand this, you get to write words like Paul writes in 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. Check this out. But godliness with contentment, guys, dissect this. But godliness with contentment is great gain, not godliness with excitement or happiness, 
right? What's the, the thing that dope, with dopamine release, you know? Like godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, obvious, and we can't take anything out of the world. True. But if we have food and clothing, you talk about a low bar. You got food? Any of you naked right now? Okay. Is that a weird way to say that? Do you have clothes? <laughs> With these will be content. Like, try putting this in America in 2022. Like, what do you need to be happy? Ask yourself that. And maybe ask yourself, if it's beyond food, clothing, and shelter, I don't know. I think Paul wants us to wrestle there. He's directly pushing back against the disease of more. You know what you never have enough of? More. More never stops. Instead, Paul offers two things. If you really want to find that peace, godliness, pursue God, become more like Christ, and be content. God, I got all I need. I want stuff, but I, for real, I mean this. I have everything I need. Thank you. Woof. Then he says, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. Check this out. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. I didn't look up pangs. Probably painful. Whatever pangs are. Does anyone know what pangs are? Me neither. Okay, my bad. Anyway, there's something about desiring the wrong thing and chasing it down with all your heart that can even lead you away from God's heart for you, his will for your life, your ability to hear his voice. It's really powerful. Here's a positive example in Philippians 3.8. Paul again, man, these words. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The more you tend to pursue Christ, the more you tend to see him as worth pursuing. The more you pursue Christ, the more significant Christ becomes and the less significant literally everything else becomes. That is great news because Christ never changes. You start finding satisfaction in someone that will never leave you nor forsake you, unlike literally anything else this life has to offer. So you have to ask yourself, I know I got a lot of things I'm pursuing, and that's not sinful. Like, I'm not telling you not get a job or a savings account or invest or multiply your money or like desire marriage or friendship. Like, of course. But I am calling us in the place of prayer, Father, please help my heart keep my capital P pursuit on you and you alone. Father, it's whatever you want. And y'all, this takes prayer. You don't get there without it. You don't get there without coming before the Lord going like, I don't know how to do this. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and grace that goes from today to forever because I'm gonna need some time to figure out how all this works. There's a ton of nuance in this conversation, right? There's a lot of things we're pursuing, a lot of things that are worth our time that we're pursuing. 
So we lean into God, the Holy Spirit, his nickname, the helper, to help us navigate. How do we pursue you above all things? How does it all fit together? Does that make sense? Okay, moving from pursuit, going to problems. Given the vantage point of death, resurrection, life in Christ, how do you see your problems? Whether big or small. My hope is that, just like being on a mountaintop or being in a plane as it takes off, in light of Christ, your problems should, and I I don't want to shame you with that language, but they should seem increasingly small. Because let me tell you something. If you don't have a healthy perspective, you will become a professional. Some of you are like NBA players right now, a professional at making problems bigger than they really ever needed to be. Anyone else good at that? Anyone else like me? Yeah, come on. All y'all needed to raise your hand. Like, AC goes out, woe is me. Am I even saved? What happened? Like, what's going on? Lord, I thought you were here. Where's that health and wealth? I called the number. I gave the money. What's going on? You know, I don't know what that joke was. All right. Christ says this. Here's this for perspective. In this world, here's a promise from Christ. He promises salvation. He also says this. In this world, you will have trouble. Sorry to burst your sweet little bubble that you're the main character in. You got trouble on the way. 10 out of 10 times, it's on the way. It's either been here, was here, or coming soon. You know, it's one of those three, if not all three of them. That's the reality of life until we get to be with Christ. So then what if life becomes not about avoiding trouble, but preparing for trouble? Lord, I already know trouble's coming. Already life just got easier for you, y'all. Oh, trouble's coming. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow. If it's not today, I'm extra grateful. If it's today, Lord, will you help my heart? Help me to respond as you would respond. Romans 8 says, God makes all things work together for the good of those who love him. So we're good. Whatever trouble comes my way, God, I'm rooted in that. You will make this for my good. If it's not today and it's not tomorrow and it's not next decade, it will be in heaven. My good in Christ. How's that for perspective? I want you to ask yourself, how do you literally respond when problems come your way? If you don't start thinking right now in your own context, literally think about the last year of your life. When problems have come your way, minor inconveniences or major disruptions, when you've been inconvenienced, when you've been sinned against, when something unexpected arises, you know what problems are really good at? They're really good at revealing our entitlement. We feel so entitled to a perfect life, to our narrative playing out the way we think it should, our impatience, our worship of control. That's why you're freaking out. I'm not saying, I know I'm painting with broad brushstrokes. I really respect all of us here. I know we're all trying so hard. Good job. But this is why we freak out. (laughs) We want control. How bad does our world need a people that do not freak out all the time? Y'all, we gotta calm down. I was reminded of Psalm 4610. There's this picture in verse nine of war, calamity, chaos, and God speaks over it and says, be still. Be still and know that I am God. And this chaos is not more sovereign or more in control than me. 
And this chaos does not have the final say. And more times than not, this chaos ain't as big of a deal as you're making it. Especially given that God's in heaven and forever and we get eternal life with him, right? So I wonder, what if we got good at this skill when a problem met us before we even responded, before we even pretended to be cool with it. Oh, no, it's good. I'm, I'm good. I have perspective. What if we just slowed down and obeyed, the, and obeyed the scripture? Okay, I didn't expect for you to be that rude to me just now. I'm going to be still, <laughs> you know? I didn't expect to be running late and didn't expect this traffic already running late. So I'm, this is tough. Okay. Deep breath. God, will you give me some better perspective right now? Because I'm PO'd. I am not happy. My heart is still racing, even though I'm talking slowly. Will you help? Give me perspective. I have a gut feeling God wants to deal with your problems different than you instinctively want to deal with your problems. How do you want to deal with your enemies? God didn't just say, ignore them. He said, love them. Think about it when problems show up in front of Jesus. The disciples are like, children, no, 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 no. The master's teaching. Jesus goes, hey, let me actually deal with that problem that you're having. Let them come and also be like them, right? The disciples are like, hey, people, I know you're hungry. There's thousands of you. We ain't got food. Go away. What does Jesus do? I, oops, so sorry. Peter, you keep doing that thing with your mouth. Can you, can you have them sit back down? We're going to feed them. When they come and arrest Jesus, they pull swords out. Peter's like, Jesus, <laughs> I know it this time. I got you. Whatcha? He, wops, he, he literally cuts off a guy's ear. The precision in that strike, or the inaccuracy. I'm not sure which one it was. Either way, the scribe was so lucky in that moment. And what does Jesus do? Puts the dude's ear back on, heals that up, and then offers himself up willingly. Man, Jesus doesn't view problems like we do, does he? And I know that's a little bit of a Jesus juke, but still, I think that's real. I think Christ has stuff to say about our problems, so we have to get good at going, I'm going to be still before I respond to this. I'm going to ask God, hey, seriously, what's your perspective? And don't be in a hurry. Let me tell you something. It's not going to work in 10 seconds. Some of you are like, I did the thing I was supposed to do, and I'm so mad. You know? That's me. I'm like, I prayed. All right. You suck. <laughs> you know? No. Like, Sit still. Let yourself breathe. Let the Holy Spirit talk. All right, let's talk about pains because time is a factor. All right. With the vantage point of salvation and eternal life, the vantage point, that hope of healing today, tomorrow, or at least in the life to come, how do we process pain? And I want to talk specifically, we could talk sickness, death, and all these things, um, but I want to talk about trauma. This generation is so aware of trauma, Right? It's such a positive thing. Like anyone here under 30 is like so aware of your parents' trauma that they're not aware of. Like, I know why she does that. I can't help her figure it out. I'm, I've tried. No, I've tried. You know, she won't go to counseling. You know, has any kids thought that? Like it's so common now. And so many of us have walked through sickness, through death, or like deep wrongdoing that happened to us that we weren't responsible for and it's affected, of our, li it's affected our lives. And I, I called a, a counselor friend of mine this week and just was like kind of asking, hey, what's your perspective on trauma and identity in Christ? And like, how does that all work together? I know it's complex. And she had a few thoughts. She said, uh, one of the biggest consequences of trauma 
is the death of hope. Which I was like, man, that's pretty intense. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick or depressed or weary. She said, it's hard to walk with someone that's going through deep trauma when they have hope. It's pretty hard. When they know healing's available and they've got deep pain, it's hard to walk with them. But it is far harder to walk with someone that's experienced trauma and does not believe there's any hope for their life. It's so much harder. And I felt like I felt this morning as I was going over this teaching, I just felt heartbroken. Like, oh, I bet there's people in my family, like right now, it's like putting on a, a brave face and you showed courage to be here and you're, and you're really trying to follow God, but you got trauma, you got pain. And it's really hard to believe there's hope. And I'm not gonna preach at you on this one. I just, I do believe there's hope, but man, I'm sorry. It's really hard. There's a lot of pain in this world. I, I believe that a lot of you went through a lot of pain when you were just little kids and you didn't even know. You had no clue how bad you were hurt. I'm just sorry. And Psalm 23, four says, yea, though I walk, that's an active vibe, right? I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Full stop. Some of y'all know that right now. You're like, um, yeah, yeah. I'm walking through it and, and I'm in the valley. When I look, I just see enemies lurking, praying on my, on my downfall, on my death, on my despair. But the rest of that verse, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And if you're hurting, there is no timeline on this, but I'm praying you know, God is with you. You are not alone in this valley. May that be your perspective. Yea, though I currently am walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm gonna do my best not to be afraid and trust that God is truly with me and for me. This is why we spent so much time in July and August talking about God being Abba, prayer being relational, not transactional. That perspective is key to healing, especially in trauma and pain. I just felt this word this morning that Jesus is the one that says, hey, if you're weary, if you're broken, if you're exhausted, I don't need you to be better, stronger, believe harder, or more confident. You can come to me with your head down, shoulders slumped. I just need you to come to me. And just please know I'm, I am, I, I've never had God like physically hug me that I've felt, but I have had moments where I just closed my eyes and prayed. And it was like, God, would you be willing to hug me? I just start weeping. Like, that's just what I need right now. I don't need a life coach. Don't need to be stronger, better, quicker, more efficient. Like, God, will you just hold me? I believe that Jesus, the good shepherd with your pain wants to hold you. But the key to that is perspective. You have to trust that God is in fact a safe space. My counselor friend told me that's, that's the key. They have to feel safe. And I'm praying that you feel safe in your pain. Now, disclaimer before I move on. If you are dealing with trauma, if pain, if you feel hopeless and you need help beyond just prayer, that's super normal please come talk to me, someone on our team. We would love to get you connected to counselors, therapists, 
respond team, freedom prayer, like you name it, like we're in on helping. So I, I don't know if I've ever made that like super clear in recent memory. So that's, that's literally always available if you need help. Okay. Father, help us see our pain and our trauma from the right perspective. Okay, last one. We're going long. You guys, you wanna do, we want to do people? Are you guys okay? We're okay? I'll go through this kind of quick because I know I'm, I'm testing our attention span right now. And that's not an insult. That's just real. Um, people. Thank you, Luke. How do you see them? How do you see people? I don't know if you know this. We are being intentionally trained to hate. Okay? That's a fact. It's happening. All of media not CNN, not Fox News, all of media is manipulating your fear and your rush to judgment to acquire clicks. That's the whole point. It's revenue. It's money. It's, not that, it's really not that deep, okay? <laughs> they just want money, and so they get you mad. All right. We sit here, and we think that if we're on one side or the other, we're better for it. Goofy. All the while, we go so, we're so slow to go, God, what are your thoughts on this situation? And it may not fall into one party or the other. I, th- that may be groundbreaking to you, but God may not be Democrat or Republican. Isn't that crazy? He really might not be. And some of you are struggling to receive what I just said. I mean what I just said. And we probably disagree. I don't believe he's one of those two things. But I don't want to sit in this global and national perspective, so I don't know why I said all that. <laughs> I believe the world will be better off if we invited God's perspective into our local and personal lives. Jesus was so good at seeing people. He didn't see a greedy tax collector. He saw someone longing to be set free to be wildly generous. And Zacchaeus was not on Instagram. He was in a tree a few yards away. It was Jesus who didn't see a woman who'd slept with every guy in town, but instead that was an evangelist that just needed to know there was grace for her life. And she preached the best sermon, a sermon's better than I've ever preached, and the whole town comes to believe in Jesus. All she needed to know, there's, you know there's grace for you, right? That water that you'll never thirst again, it is freely offered to you. And she turned up. <laughs> it was Jesus who did not see a thief on the cross getting what he deserved, but instead said, today, you will be with me in paradise. How many of y'all know that Christ does not see people the way the world sees people? And oftentimes, Christ doesn't see people the way you do. And that's the invitation right there. Christ, how'd you do what you did? I was so deeply aware, or you were so deeply aware of all the stereotypes, Gentiles, Jews, Samaritans, the Havsies. There were so many condemning stereotypes on these people. And Christ, somehow you saw their soul every single time. You saw your image every single time. You were not affected by what you'd heard or been exposed to. The spirit dictated how you thought, how you spoke, and even who you noticed. I mean, every time a bleeding woman got noticed, like 100 people didn't get noticed. He always seemed to notice the person that no one else was seeing. It's really interesting. We desperately need a people that see with the eyes of Christ. And so I guess I'm going to try to condense this point because I do want to transition this, but In your week, Father, will you help me slow down enough? Will you help me set my agenda aside enough to where I actually notice people? And not just the people I'm already aware of, but maybe I noticed someone that otherwise I would have just walked by. Some of my favorite God moments are where I walked in a grocery store or a Chipotle and just said, Lord, will you help me be aware as I'm in here? I'm available. 
And it sounds so silly, but he just led me to ask simple questions to people. And then I'd ask another one. And then all of a sudden we're praying together. And it, it doesn't have to end that way. A lot of times it just ends with me saying, how are you? Good, okay, cool. I can tell we don't wanna talk more. That's fine, right? But God will do something with the heart open to people. All right, how do we practically grow in this? I'm gonna blitz here. Prayer, shocker, we're in a prayer series, okay? Pray, not by strength or power or might. John 15, five, whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. This comes with Christ, okay? This comes with you drawing near and abiding in the Lord. You don't gotta go out and muster up a really awesome perspective. You gotta humbly come before God open-handedly, give me perspective, all right. So this week in your prayer closet, I would invite you to choose one of the four things we covered today and pray about it throughout the day, every day. If it's problems, then like set reminders on your phone. Three or four times a day, just pause and go, has any problems come up? How did I respond? And there's grace for whatever that answer is and just keep praying through it, all right? Choose one. Don't try to do all four at once. I think it's too much. Number two, fasting. Yeah, my friend Tanner brought this up. I was like, how do you grow on perspective? He was like, fasting. I was like, yeah, 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 I was thinking that too. I, I, yeah, I fast all the time, dude. Like all the time. I'm fasting right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. That's, no, that's no, true. Um, John 4, 34, Jesus says, my food, you talk about a Jesus juke. They go, Jesus, we want to feed you. He looks at his disciples who just offered him dinner and says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. You know how obnoxious that response is? Golly. But Jesus literally says, no, I'm teaching you perspective. More than you need food for your body, you need the spirit of God in your life. He teaches himself. That's what fasting is. It's going, God, I'm gonna get hungry approximately 2,000 times today. And each time I'm gonna teach myself more than I need food, I need you. And in that, your perspective has shifted. Number three, Bible. Nothing brings perspective like scripture. This is where we get perspective. Philippians 1.21 says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. The more exposure you give yourself to those kind of words, the better your perspective will be. That's the Bible. Last thing, gratitude. If you will choose gratitude, your perspective will miraculously improve. Choose to be thankful. That is so powerful. I'm gonna be done. We're gonna go to communion. I wanna invite you to reflect personally, all right? So if everyone in every other row will take one of these bowls, take a communion little thing, pass it around, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, here's the questions. And we're only gonna take like five minutes here, but you have to participate for this to matter. Even if you zoned out the last 20 minutes, if you'll actually answer in your notes these questions, you'll be in a good spot, for real. So choose one. Which of the four areas stuck out most to you in your personal life and why? Just choose one. And try to answer why and be as specific as you can. And I would encourage you to write it down. That helps your brain out, all right? How might Jesus help you understand a better perspective in that area? Think hard there. Christ, how might you see that situation and Why? Okay, and then number three, how can you partner with God to daily practice a better perspective? I would try to make a plan, all right? I'm gonna set a reminder for 2 p.m. every day to stop and pray through this perspective piece, or I'm gonna put a sticky note on my steering wheel, or I'm gonna do this, or I'm gonna do that. But try to think about how do I take this teaching on perspective and apply it to my real life this week? All right, it's 1014. We'll be done at 1019. Take notes, make it happen, answer these questions.